Hey, before we begin, I want to talk about Race Tech Pulp 21 to save. So if you've been needing some motor work, need some suspension work, need the suspension dialed in for you, or need the motor modified, the guys at Race Tech can uh, make sure that uh, the work is done right. And Alex Ray and those guys on that team, SGB Maxis Kawasaki, they use Race Tech. Mookie won a Supercross using Race Tech suspension up in Montreal at one point. They've been around forever. You know the name. You know the, the game that those guys do. They do great work. And if you're on the fence, for getting that suspension oil changed. I mean, look, just get it changed. Show your bike some love. The guys at Race Tech can dial you in. Pulp 21 is a code to save. So if you call down there and you go on their website, which is super informative, tells you the spring rates that you need and everything, mention Pulp MX and get the discount from the folks at Race Tech. A Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show, presented by Maxis Tires, Renthal, Motosport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,700 podcasts delivered with over 17 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome everybody to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast with Larry Huffman. Great announcer for the sport and iconic voice as well. Uh, looking forward to talking to Larry and seeing what he's up to. Thanks to the folks at Fly Racing. Their 2021 line is all new and all improved, man, from the light pant to the Formula helmet that's got Rio technology to the Zone Pro goggle. Uh, Brayton, Osborne, Bogle, Savachi, among others, where Fly Racing and flyracing.com is where you can find everything. Great line of mountain bike products as well over there. So go to your favorite dealer, your favorite e-tailer. Request to see Fly Racing, and uh, you won't be let down, people. All right? Uh, great stuff. Great products. So thanks to those folks. Renthal as well. When I say the name Renthal, what do you think of? You probably think of their handlebars. You probably think of their 7 eighths bar or their twin wall bar or the fat bar or the fat bar 36, all used by riders today. Well, I guess the 7 eighths really isn't used by racers today, but there are certainly riders out there using the 7 eighths bar. Shout out to the 7 eighths bar club why don't you uh brake pads chains sprockets renthal.com more championships uh, than all the other brands combined and you know their name you know their technology hashtag uh grab life by the bars uh, renthal.com for more information on that i want to thank the folks at maxis tires as well great tires mountain bikes uh, dirt bikes utvs truck tires maxis.com will have you covered man whatever you need for tires uh they've got it right so the folks at maxis doing a good job with that uh, thank you to those guys. Coba Links, of course. If you want to be a little bit more in control of your bike, if you want it to fit yourself a little better, if you're a shorter guy, the folks at Coba Links can dial you in. They're available at motorsport.com as well now. Uh, every link is uh, CNC'd over in Boise, Idaho, so they do a good job. And if you use the code PulpMX at, Boy- at Coba Links, K-O-U-B-A, links.com, you can get free shipping and a discount on the product. So that's pretty good, right? Thanks to the folks at Coba Links. And lastly, but not... Uh, Less importantly, I don't even know what that is. I think I just made that up. Last but not least, 
Motorsport.com, OEM parts, aftermarket parts, uh, great return policy if you need to. Uh, they've got a really good prices on everything. They've got some stuff going on, sales going on underneath the Pulp Mech Show banner that will really uh, pay off well. For example, uh, you buy a set of Michelin's, you get a set of tubes, right? Uh, X-Brand goggles, they're sa saving on X-Brand goggles. So Motorsport.com, go through the banner on Pulp Mech or pulpamechshow.com to help us uh, get a little piece of that. We'd really appreciate it. So if, you, if you're dealing with another online retailer, Go give Motorsport a, uh, a try, and you'll be impressed, man. I know I am. I switched all of my stuff to them a couple years ago, and it's been great. So Motorsport.com on board with us as well. All right, let's get into Larry Huffman, shall we, and talk to Larry and see what he's doing and see what's going on and everything else. All right, here he is. And now on the uh, Fly Racing Racer X podcast, presented by the folks at Maxis, Renthal, Cobalinks, and Motorsport, it is a legendary figure in our sport of Supercross and Motocross over the years, and uh, he was the voice of the sport for a long, long time, and it's our second ever podcast. I, the first one I did was, uh, what year are we in, 2021, the uh, first one I did was 12 years ago, so I'm happy and pleased to bring back uh, Supermouth, Larry Huffman. What's up, man? How are you? Hey, Steve. Good to hear from you, buddy. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, good to hear you're doing well, doing better, uh, all of that. Yep, true. Uh, by the way, you did my voicemail for me 12 years ago on my cell phone. It is still on there. I still get people all the time telling me it's the vo best voicemail message ever. So I think you're uh, delusional, Steve, but it's okay. <laughs> um <laughs> Hey, I, did you do some something lately? Uh, I, I know you came out to the um, uh, World Vets a few years ago. You, did you do something with Burnworth at his, uh, at his vintage race? Yeah, I did a little announcing for that. I enjoy that every year. Scott, Scott and his beautiful wife are very nice, and they, they seem to think my voice helps a little bit. So I do that with uh, John Bethea and uh, Greg Barbacovi. Oh, nice. And do you like that still? Do you still enjoy it? I mean, God, you've done so many things over the years with announcing and everything else, or is it the same old, same old, or do you get excited for it? Well, it's hard because there's no scores, and that's one of the problems in my estimation, my humble estimation and with Supercross, because it's very interesting. I had a, a guy from the L.A. Times, a friend of mine, tell me recently that it blew him away. They could never understand, Steve, how I would – say Hannah or Tripes or somebody like that got out in front and ran away with the race. And I would go back in the pack and I would look at somebody running in the 10th or 11th position. Mm -hmm. And I would say, okay, let's look at, look at number one, 11 back in the 10th, watch him. He's going to go crazy. And people couldn't understand how I could do that. Well, my wife, my ex-wife was a scorer mm -hmm. and she would tap me on the, on the, on the arm and say, look at and point to this. Yeah. So we have a whole new race. And <laughs> the LA times guy, Tom Hamilton said, so that's how you did it. I could never figure it out. <laughs> and they're not, I don't think they're doing that now. And I think that's a problem. Yeah. I know sometimes the last transfer spot, like on TV and stuff yeah. that, that, you yep. know, they focus on that, which is always important, but yep. you're, you're right. It, it's a, it's a lot of the same stuff over and over where you're trying to entertain people. Right. So exactly. And inform, inform them. Right. Right. Do you follow sport much now? Are you watching it much? Do you, did you read about now, it much? I don't. I was blacklisted politically from it, so I just kind of turned it off, and I, I don't. I'm not involved in it at all. Well, what happened? Why'd you get blacklisted? When did that happen? Well, uh, it happened in '88. Uh huh. Uh, I was Mickey Thompson's announcer, and I was Mike Goodwin's announcer. Right. And Mickey was killed, and I was. I received a letter from uh, his sister, who took over the company, yep. MTEG. Mm-hmm. And she said, uh, you're, you've got a girl working for you, Jean Sleeper, and if you don't, she, we're after her, and if you don't fire her, you'll never announce Supercross again. I said, I'm not going to fire her, and I never announced Supercross again. 
Wow, I didn't know that part, or maybe I forgot about that part. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. One of my questions, I want to get into the Thompson-Goodwin thing and your relationships with both of them and everything else. But um, so, oh, so after 88, you were pretty much done as a live announcer for the sport. Yes. Yeah, wow. And, and uh, why did she want to fire him? Just personal vendetta-ish that stuff? They couldn't get, I, I asked her, I said, yep. what are you going after Gene Sleeper for? And she said, we can't get Goodwin. We think she knows a lot about it. We're mm-hmm. going to go after her. And right. Goodwin had taken off for the Caribbean. Right. And so they, they said, you, you got to fire her. And she was she was broke. Um, people were after her for money. And I and I said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to fire her. She's a good person. And that was it. Right, That was right. my mistake. Gee, yeah, gee whiz. You know, uh, I don't know how many people have told you this, but ah, maybe 10 years ago, there was a five-DVD set that came out of the world's greatest Supercross racers, and you were hosting it, but it was shot in the early 90s and uh, somehow got re-released. Have you heard about this? It was a while ago now, but it was great. No, yeah. no I haven't. Uh, it's you in a chair in the early 90s introducing each race, and then you cut to it, and... Uh, I don't know who made it. I don't know who produced it or anything. It's sometimes you're doing the live stuff. Sometimes it's other guys, but you're yeah. sort of the host of everything. And uh, Interesting. yeah, Interesting. and uh, dude, it's fantastic. I just love to watch those old races. So it's, yeah, it's, they were fun to do, fun to call. Um, so when you when you what are you doing now? Like, how, what do you do? What, I know I, I've heard your voice on commercials in L.A. When I lived in L.A., uh, I live in Vegas now, but uh, when I lived in L.A., I heard your voice on, on some furniture commercials and some car stuff. Is that kind of stuff you're still doing? Yeah, but it's really slow. I mean, the pandemic slowed everything down, so no- nothing's really happening. I did do a, a – I um, narrated a, a new version of rock and roll racing in, in December, which was kind of interesting. It was done at L.A. Studios, which is a legendary studio in L.A., mm-hmm. and they'd hired me. We negotiated. My attorney got involved. So rock and roll racing was apparently a very big hit back in 93 when it came out. Okay. And then they brought the new one out, and they called me, and they said, we'd like it and narrate it. We negotiated. We got a good deal, and I went and I did it. And uh, it, it's out now, Yeah. Um, and um, I, I hope it's doing well. Uh, they paid me. They said, we've got the, the studios re- reserved for two two days. Yeah. I said, it's not going to take me two days. I did it two hours and 45 minutes. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> so what is it? Rock and roll racing. What? Like, tell me what it is. Well, rock and roll racing, and it's an off-road race. Okay. That was, came out in '93. Um, we unveiled it at the uh, National Electronics Show in Vegas, and I was there in my tuxedo. Mm-hmm. I was on a little platform with a bunch of other things going on, and yeah. Muhammad Ali was on another little uh, <laughs> platform a little ways away, uh, publicizing his his video game. Oh, so okay. Was, and Muhammad Ali was doing his. It just came out uh, last month. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, neato. So they got you back in doing that. Yep. Um, yep. Are you born and raised in, in L.A.? Are you uh, Are you from there? Southern California, Corona, born and raised. Okay. So how did you get into live announcing? Did you race? Did were you Were you a fan of it? No, how did I, it get into it? I was never a racer. I um, I I started drag race announcing in 1968 at Lions Drag Strip. And then I started uh, Speedway in 69 at Costa Mesa. And this is the interesting part that your people might be interested in. Yeah. In 1970, um, I heard about some crazy guy named Mike Goodwin who was going to do a Supercross race. Yep. It wasn't called that then, a stadium motocross. Yep. And I called him, and I said, I'd like to apply for the job as announcer. And he said, well, I've got the AMA says you got to do three races outdoors first, and then – if we approve it, then you can do one in, in the Coliseum. So he's going to do um, Sacramento at 
Cal Expo, uh-huh. Saddleback in Orange County, and Carlsbad. And I called him, and I said, I want a place. Well, you're going to have to audition. And I said, well, okay. okay. So he had somebody else do Sacramento, and then he had me do Sacramento. And I told him beforehand, I says, make the check out to me because I'm going to be doing it. And <laughs> fortunately, he liked it, and so I got to start doing Supercross in uh, June of 72 uh, at the L.A. Coliseum, the first one ever. Yeah, the first one ever. Tripes wins it. Marty Tribes. He won that, and he won the next year, too. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know you went that far back. Okay, I didn't get it. So um, what about the sport just hooked you? What about it did you, lo- did you love about it? Well, you've got, you know, 20, 30, 40,000 people, and you're kind of manipulating them. Mm-hmm. To the best of my knowledge, Steve, I believe the largest Supercross ever, I'd heard this, was the L.A. Coliseum in the late 70s. I believe we drew 76,000 to one event. And when you when you're it's like you're hyping up people for a Hitler rally. I mean, ready to stand up. And, and I told them, stand up on the main event, and they all did. It was insane. Yeah. What a rush for you, right? It was. It was a big rush. Yeah. Wow. Um, were you, like, obviously you have the pipes, right? Even, uh, and even now in 2021, you can hear your voice. you got a great yeah. voice. Thank um, you. You're just born with it. Were you born with the ability to be an announcer, or do you look back at some of those early ones and be like, oh, I was terrible? Did you study somebody? Did you uh, admire somebody and listen to tapes? Like, how did you get good at it? I just, you know, I'd go to the races and call them, and then I'd react to what the crowd's reaction was. And if they reacted, I'd say, okay, that's going to work, <laughs> and I'd do that the, the next time. Yeah, I, I was announcing at Costa Mesa Speedway in the early 70s, and at that time, it was the largest weekly motorsports event in North America. 9,000 people every Friday night. I mean, it was insane. Yeah. And I, at one night I did it, and I was in my tuxedo and jumping up down the table, <laughs> and I finished up, and this old man came up to me. I swear to God, it's yeah. true. This old man came up to me, and he said, I was in, I was in Munich in 36 when Hitler was, on, was, co- was coming up, and you're exactly like Hitler. And I said, thank you very much, sir. I appreciate it. Walked away. <laughs> Jesus. True story. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, I don't really know how to take that. I guess it means I could command an audience. Uh, there yeah. you go. Right. There you go. Um, did you have any, do you have any, like, I don't know how much you follow other sports or stuff. And, and certainly live announcing is different from a TV announcing guy, but do you have some guys that you admire from afar or that you met and you picked the brain of or anybody? I never really picked the brain. I, I mean, I liked uh, several different announcers were great. Bruce Flanders, who recently died, was a great announcer. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're, they're, I don't, I don't follow the, the current crop of announcers, right, right. I, you know, but yeah, there's some of my admire, but I, I, when, when I first started out, I got a call from Sharon Clayton of Cycle News, yep. who's since died. And she said, we'd like to meet with you. We've got this race coming up in Long Beach, the L. Long Beach Grand Prix. And I met with them, and they said, we need you to teach our announcers how to announce. And I said, why would I do that? <laughs> yes, and they exactly. said, well, we, you, we help the sport. I said, wait a minute. You know, they can listen to me, but I'm not going to tell them what to do. Yeah. And they blacklisted me from ever announcing the Long Beach Grand Prix. Oh, geez. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's weird. Did did you do much TV? Did you do any TV? Yeah, I've done TV. Yeah, I did my own own show, Motorcycle World. With Larry Huffman lost a lot of money on Channel Four in Los Angeles <laughs> back in the yeah, uh, back in the early eighties. Let's see, late eighties, yeah, eighties. Yeah. So I've done TV. Um, I was just wondering the difference of as far as calling a race on TV versus calling it live. Obviously, you were the live announcer for some of these. And some of these videos I've watched on that DVD set I just told you about or on YouTube or whatever, you're doing the call, but I believe it's just somehow you're the live call is piped in as the TV call, right? Like, I don't really know how yeah. they do it. I don't think they had two announcers back then, so. 
We usually did it after the race. Where they bring me in and do my part, but they, they taped the, the live call because they wanted that on tape for, for the broadcast. Ah, okay. Okay. Oh, so that's how it would work. So, so yeah. you're you're double dipping. You're getting uh you're getting two money, two two pay, two jobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I it's such a confusing myself and Jason Wygant from Racer X. We were just talking about this the other day. The history of Supercross TV production is so confusing. And, and when you look at the the Lucille's through uh, early days, and then in the it looked like Goodwin and Thompson could do different deals with different TV production people. Uh, Stanfield's David Stanfield's doing them. Great Gar- Barbara Covey's doing some of them. Uh, you're great in some announcers. of them. It, it's, great, great announcers. Yeah, yes. it's it's all over the map. Like as far as what, who's televising which race? It's it's crazy. You can't figure it out. I'm confused. Explain what you mean. Well, like. You watch so nineteen, you know, uh, eighty eighty six, right? Eighty six season. You watch a race. Uh, we just watch. We just let me point to a better example. Nineteen eighty nine. We just watched nineteen eighty nine Atlanta. There's a Larry Myers who came after you. Excellent announcer. Yep, very good announcer. Larry Myers is uh, calling the action uh, after the race. Right, he's done it. He's he's calling it after yeah. the race from his from, from yeah. production. Well, then there's another copy floating around YouTube. And this is uh, <clears throat> David Stanfield calling it for something called Southern Supersports Racing or something. Like, the, you never quite know who's putting on the TV broadcasts for the different Supercrosses over the years. So, Okay. I, yeah, yeah I, I understand. Yeah. Um, for you, like, did, so when you did the Supercross series, uh, and how many years did you do it? 72? 1972 into 1988. So... Did you do every event, or would you ha- would you be contracted to do every one, or would you have to work out your deals with with uh, Bill West and Goodwin and Thompson and et cetera, et cetera? Would you have to work your deals out with each promoter? Yes, that's how we had to do it. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, did you were there some that you didn't get to do because you just didn't want to do it or couldn't come to terms? Or yeah, I, I didn't do. Um, I, I I only did uh, the Daytona race one year. Okay. And, and I did most of everything else. Yeah. Um, God, too. Back then, Larry, the travel wasn't easy, huh? That's not like nowadays. No, it was difficult. It was very tough. Yeah. Uh, did you? So out of then all, I bunch, then I did a bunch of stuff in Canada too. Yeah. Well, that's what I was gonna gonna get to. Like, where? Well, let's let's back up a little bit. Um, you start getting involved in the sport in the, in '72, like you said. You start calling these things. Uh, I guess when this kid named Hannah comes on, he's just amazing for an announcer like yourself. Like. I notice in listening back to your calls over the years, you're very much like watch Hannah, watch Hannah, because Bob would get <laughs> Bob would crash or Bob would get a bad start, and so this guy must have just been great for you, catnip for you as a live announcer. Let me tell you something about that. You yeah. mentioned it. Um, I visited Mike Goodwood in prison several times. Uh huh. And one time I was visiting him, and he says he pointed to a, a prisoner across the visitors' room, and he says, "You see that guy?" And I said, "Yeah." He says he's a real big fan of Supercross and a real big fan of yours. He says if you'd say something to him, oh, yeah. it would make his day. Yeah. So I got up and I walked by this guy and I, I a prisoner. Yeah. And I reached over. And I, I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, "Here comes Anna!" <laughs> and he went crazy. He laughed. <laughs> oh God, that's awesome. Funny. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's so good. But um, certainly he would have been the early guy for you to keep an eye on, huh? Oh yeah. Yeah. Anna and Tripes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was there a guy that uh, look? Uh, and we'll get into the the, the Jim Hawley stuff and the Canada stuff because I'm from Winnipeg, uh, born and raised. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, 
Was there a guy though that you like really got along with well out you know week to week and, and really helped your, made your job easy helped you out? Mike Bell was very good to work with. Tri- Marty Tripes, yep. although he's very young and, and unpolished, was really easy and good to work with. Most of the writers respected me. I hopefully hopefully they all did. Hannah, you could never tell because oh, okay. you didn't know what he was going to bring to the to the interview. <laughs> <laughs> and who, I'm sure Bob threw some uh, some funny stuff at you over the years. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. You know, you know, it's funny. I, I've done a bunch of these with with Bob over the years, probably three or four of them. And so before we hit record, you know, he knows that uh, Rollerball is a, a hero of mine when I was a kid, right? And uh, and so he would he would be like, "Hey, how's Ross? Have you talked to him lately or whatever?" And he's like the coolest guy ever, right? And then uh, and then I hit record. And he just and he just flips, Larry. He, as you know, he just flips and he starts talking trash on on Howerton or a Rollerball or whatever. And yeah. I'm like, oh, there he is. <laughs> That's Hannah. Yeah. That's Hannah. Yeah. Um. And so on the flip side of that, were there guys that you and, and you know I cover the sport now, um, week to week and go to all these races and certainly I have some great relationships with riders and I'm able to call them up and talk to them whenever I need to. Blah blah blah. And yeah. there's there's some guys that just. They don't like me, uh, you know, for things I've written or said or whatever. They just don't like the media in general or whatever. Are there guys? Were there guys like that for you? Um, let me think. Um, you know, I got along with most of them. I, I think you have to understand that these guys started when they're seventeen. Mm-hmm. By the time they're twenty-two, they're they're burned up. They're gone. Yeah. And so if you treat them right, and I I, used to, I went run, running with a. With Steve Wise and Marty Tripes and Tony DeStefano, we'd go jogging together, and Mike Bell, and, and yeah. I got to know them pretty well, and they trusted me, and I never really screwed them, so right. they, they would kind of open up to me. And, and you got to understand, and you know this, they're unsophisticated kids. They can ride a motorcycle fast, end of statement. <laughs> you understand? Yeah, yeah. And, and they just, you know, they're not polished, and that's not a put-down. Mm-hmm. They just they jumped out of high school into making, you know, several hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. But they're done by 22. It's funny, like, you, you, you know, you come from a different era than I do, but what you just, yeah. what you just said is, is totally like you, like you just captured what it is still to this day in 2021. Yep. The money's greater. The money's greater, but you've captured it, right? Yeah, I was doing an appearance uh, at a dealership in San Diego County like four or five years ago, and they brought in the top writers. I think it was a KTM team, uh-huh. and I, I think I brought a Cycle News when Cycle News is still printing, and I yep. I showed it to one of the top guys, and he, he yeah, that was the race I did, and it was like he couldn't wait to get out of there to get the hell back home. He didn't want to do the interview. Yeah, yeah. He didn't want to be, you know, publicized. And I'm telling him, pal, you got to sell motorcycles. You're working for KTM. You got to sell bikes, if that makes sense. And he didn't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird, right? And, and, you know, I I would think Hannah or Magoo or, you know, RJ, they got it, right? They pretty much did, yeah. 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 Um, Hey, the Rodeal Cup race, did you call that one? Where was it? Uh, Coliseum, uh, end of 1985. Yeah, I did. That's the Europeans came over. Jim Hollywood won his World Supercross title then. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The guys were taking a dive to start in the front row. <laughs> what a night. <laughs> what a night. <laughs> I remember that. I'm sure you were probably just like, uh, I don't even know what's going on here. I have no idea. But, like, Dogger went behind the Coliseum and, like, faked an injury or something. <laughs> it was just it was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, do you have a race that stands out for you? Or I mean, it's impossible to ask this, but do you have a couple races that stand out for you as far as all timers? 1986 Anaheim yeah. Bailey versus Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... And, and David and I talked afterward, and he said, "Larry, he said I could hear every word you were saying in my helmet." He said that <laughs> helped me so much because yeah. I could understand where Ricky was behind it, yeah. behind me. And I asked Ricky about that several years ago at a big promotion of Malcolm Smith. I said, "Let's talk about." It. <laughs> Let's talk about Anaheim 86. He looked at me and said, Larry, can't we talk about a race I won? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, right? Yeah, I think how many yeah. people want to talk about the RJ about that race, right? And he came up second. Yeah, that's true. Great, greatest race of all time to me. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty, pretty amazing. And that was the uh, old Anaheim Stadium. That's 60,000 people, right? Yeah, it was totally sold out. Yeah. I think we had 65,000. Wow. With the press and everything. It, yeah. it was completely sold out. It was insane. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. So Anaheim 86 stands out. Anything else? Uh, well, the first race that Tribes yeah, won. I yeah. mean, he was he was absolutely stunned to win that thing. I mean, I, you look at the pictures, his, his face is just blank. He didn't really <laughs> – he won that race so easy because yeah. he, you know, he he did not train, or at least if he did, I didn't know. Right. But he just – he has such an incredible style that he – he you know, the best riders in the world. Steve McQueen was there. We had Hollywood celebrities in the stands. Okay, yeah. And yeah. 16 – first race at right. age 16, and he won it. Do you remember thinking like, hey, like there's a uh, – there's a, a future here with this. This is a one-off. Uh, did you did you think like this could be, you know, what it is today? I mean – No. 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 Yeah. So – I mean, Goodwin was – was a, a crazy guy. I mean, he was insane in a lot of ways, but he was, he was really a good promoter and uh, he, yeah. he knew how to put butts in the seats and he did it. He, so the stories I've heard, of course, uh, uh fur coat, uh, drive, driving yeah. onto the floor in a Cadillac or whatever, Rolls Royce or something, um, putting in, putting in mud, putting in mud pits. Like the guy just seems over the top. He was. Yeah, he was, huh? I was, I don't know if you can, yeah, you can use this. Okay. Um, I was announcing the USGP. I also did all the USGPs at Carlsbad. I was uh-huh. the announcer for all of them. And in one of the early ones, Goodwin showed up, and he wanted to he wanted to plug the Coliseum race, okay. which was coming up in a few weeks. Yep. And the promoter said, do not interview Goodwin. <laughs> and so Goodwin came up to me, and he was, he was drinking pretty heavy, and he had his girlfriend, who was a porn star. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He said, Huffman, he, he's Huffman. He says, let's go over to the motel afterward. We'll have a threesome with, with uh, Trixie here. And I said, I said, Mike, I love you, but I never learned how to play golf. <laughs> and he laughed, and he just wandered out, of, wandered out of the booth. True story. Oh, man. So, yeah, like um... – do you, obviously, with the with Mickey Thompson shooting, like you believe he's innocent, right? I, I let me be careful what I say. Yeah. I I worked for both of them. I knew them both yep. very well. Yep. I think Goodwin is was capable of doing that. I'm not sure if he did it or not. Right, right, right. Crazy story, man. Supercross pivot right there. You know what I mean? Uh, um, yeah, I know. I know. And, and so, and then, did you like Mickey? Mickey was did you like Mickey? I like Mickey a lot. We got along very well. I'd been to his house, right. uh, you know, Hollywood celebrities and all, and I felt very important. Mm-hmm. I, I liked Mickey a lot. When he called me to tell me he was he was partnering with Goodwin, I said, you're going to be screwed. I said, let me tell you, you can't do it with this man. It's in his DNA. No, no, no. I'm yeah. 59. Trudy wants me to retire. I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm telling you, you're going to get screwed. And yeah. sure enough, Goodwin tried to screw him, and 
Goodwin's in prison and Mickey's dead. And this is all over the rights to California supercrosses, basically, right? Well, I think it was all over the rights to um, to races. Goodwin had Goodwin did Atlanta. He did. Oh, he uh, did more. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he did more than just Southern California. Okay, all right. So yeah, so it was kind of just the the right to who wins, who gets to run the series, basically, the, the, right? Well, I mean, was, yeah. Uh, Daytona was separate. It was always yeah. separate. Yep. Still yeah. is, by the way. Still is. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Just a crazy, crazy time. And then Mike takes off and, and you know, years later gets arrested. And, and, and you know, obviously he, some of the things that he did seem suspicious. But then again, like you said, Mickey's sister is in the DA's office. And there was certainly a lot of bla- bad blood between Mickey and Mike Goodwin. A ton. Oh boy! Right, right. Oh boy! Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. did you did you find yourself caught in that because you're a you're working for both of them you 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 like both of them um, did you find yourself caught in the middle where one guy's venting about the other guy to you about that and you're just like uh no yeah. you know that's an interesting question because the word was out that the Goodwin was telling everybody I'm going to kill Thompson I'm going to I'm uh-huh. going to end his life. I never heard that from Goodwin. He never said a word. And I was talking to Goodwin a lot because we, I, you know, yeah. doing his races, and he lived near me, and we would talk. But he never once said, "I'm going to get, I'm going to, I'm going to put Thompson down." Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, man, uh, it's such a an interesting story of Supercross history. And then when you go into the later years of Supercross and and kind of all these different promoters getting getting it, and in 1980. Five, there was the in sport series, and then there was an yeah. AMA series. Like you're just yeah. like our sport is so fractured for so long. Yeah, yeah. you're right. It was. Yeah, uh, and now at least you have you know Davy Coombs and the MX Sports people are running uh, the Nationals, and we have Feld Motorsports running Supercross. So at least we have two people, only two, right, running the yeah. whole thing. So yeah, you're um, right. Uh, yeah, it's it's really really interesting. Where were you the the when you heard Mickey died? Mickey was murdered. I got a phone call early in the morning because it was killed a little after six, and a, a friend of mine called and said, hey, there's something happening at Mickey Thompson's house. So I turned on the news, mm-hmm. and the first board was coming over. So I jumped in the car and drove to Anaheim Stadium. It was it was weird, Steve, because I walked into the press booth. I, I just invited myself because I'd be, I figured I'd be the logical one to take questions because I've done that before. Uh-huh. And... Um, the first thing I noticed when I went up to the podium, to the microphone, one of Mickey's uh, attorneys was, was there. And he said, Larry, I said, yeah, I just want you to know that you did a hell of a job announcing Saturday night. <laughs> and I thought, what a strange thing to say to me. Yes, yes. And so I opened up the thing and we started taking questions and, and you know, uh, that, but, that was basically it. So wait, but I was confused. You said you jumped in the car and went to Anaheim Stadium. Was there a press conference scheduled? Is that what you... What, no, but I figured there. I figured there would be. Oh, would okay. Be the place would be Anaheim Stadium. Ah, got it. Okay, I didn't quite. Uh, yeah, that's funny. Because I'm like Mickey I'm, Thompson. Mickey Thompson had an office at Anaheim Stadium. Ah, and there we right go. Before, okay. Right before he was killed, he called me in, and I went into his office, and he had a uh, a model on a desk of a building, mm-hmm. and he said, uh, he said, I'm trying to remember exactly what he said. He said, you see this thing? He says, I'm gonna. I'm going to take over the world of uh, some kind of event, mm-hmm. and he says, "This is what, how I'm going to do it. This is this the model of the building." And I says, "You know, you better stick with Supercross or off-road racing because you can make a lot more money doing that." Yeah, I don't. Know, I, I just happened to remember that out of the out yeah. of my mind. Yeah. You know? 
Wow, really sliding doors moment in the sport for sure. And Larry, you were you were there to, to see it. Uh, uh, I was there. Yeah. Uh, Fly Racing, flyracing.com, sponsoring this podcast. Please check them out at your local dealer. Go to your favorite e-tailer, whether it's uh, Zach Osborne or Justin Brayton or, or Justin Bogle, Joey Savacci, flyracing.com, the Formula Helmet, of course, got the Rion technology. They do a great job with those guys. Thanks to the folks at Maxxis as well, Maxxis Tires, Renthal Handlebars, Coba Links, and motorsport.com, all on board with us uh, this podcast as well. Larry Huffman, the voice of Supercross forever. Um, Larry, what? So you called Supercross, obviously, and you called Motocross. What else have you called? Or what's the strangest thing that someone paid you money to announce? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> like uh, lawnmower racing or, or anything? Swamp, swamp boats or anything? No, I, 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 I can't remember, but it's, you know, I'll, if it, I'll put on the, the mini skirt and the white boots. If I'm going to be a prostitute, I might as well dress like one. No, I, <laughs> I, you know, I did a lot of different stuff over the years. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I have a quick, real funny story about Robert Redford, if you'd yeah, like to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. You can, you can always edit this out. Um, it was super, it was Speedway at Costa Mesa when we were at the highlight. I, I mean, you really packing the place every yeah. Friday night. Yep. So one Friday night, this was like 71, the place is packed, and uh, Robert Redford and his buddy were staying in Newport Beach. And they came to the races. Okay. And they come in, and, and it's sold out. And they go up to Harry Oxley's wife, Marilyn, and they say, hey, listen, they didn't identify themselves. We need a place to sit. And she says, all right, if, if you promise to be good and don't cause any problem, you can sit in the press thing. So they went and they sat in the press area, which was about 10 feet from me. Yep. And I called the race. I didn't know they were there. And then afterward, Oxley, the promoter, said, hey, we had Robert Redford here. And it was a three-day race. That was Friday night. Yep. I said, why didn't you tell me? Nah, I didn't want to get the crowd, you know, right. let's concentrate on the race. So the next night I said, and I'm, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to let you know that we had a major Hollywood star here, Robert Redford, star of The Sting, et cetera. Yep. And they're booing me for not telling. I said, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> and so Sunday night, they came again for the third race, and I announced it. And I, you know, I never saw Redford. I didn't recognize him, but he was there. Right. I, I was told there all three nights. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, do you have any memorable celebrity moments? Because I have one I'm going to ask you about that, that, that I, I heard from uh, Jim Hawley. But do you have any uh, celebrity moments? Did you, did you go down to I Hollywood? Know gonna, I know what you're going to say about Hawley. Um, you know, I've met a lot of celebrities. Uh, they were all, most of them are pretty nice. I was on Fantasy Island, and Ricardo Montalban was very nice to me. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tattoo, Herbie Villachey was a jerk, but, you know, it was, <laughs> it was, it was strange. I heard your uh, voice on a Knight Rider episode, too, one time. Yeah, I did Knight Rider. Uh, uh, God, I did a bunch of Dynasty, uh, uh, just a slew of TV shows. Were you and always an announcer for those? Them. Were they always like, hey, we need an announcer. We need a hype guy. And so that's what yeah, you Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what it was. Right. And uh, I would go to 20th Century Fox or Universal or wherever, and I and they would, oh, Huff, it's one take Huffman. And i just go in and narrate <laughs> the thing, and they'd send, give me a check, and I'd be gone. It was really simple. It wasn't anything. Yeah, yeah. There was nothing really complicated about it. Right, right, right. Uh, so our buddy Jim Hawley, um, he asked me to ask you about the time you got a Playboy from Ray Charles on an airplane. Well, he always expands on these things. Okay. We were we were flying to Saskatoon to okay. do an arena cross. Yeah. And we're going in the waiting room, and they're sitting there is is uh, Ray Charles and his handler. Uh huh. And I oh my god! And and I and and Ray was reading a Playmate or Playboy magazine in Braille. 
I don't, I don't know why that's funny, but people <laughs> laugh at it. And we didn't say anything. We sat, you know, we sat two feet from him. We didn't, we didn't want to bug him, but that, yeah, yeah. that was that was Hollywood's story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, reading it in Braille. He was reading in Braille. Yeah. I, I didn't know they had that. Yeah, I had no such a yeah, thing. Yeah, they did. Um, Dude, so Jimmy, until this year, Jimmy was still involved in Supercross doing the Race Day Live stuff. And uh, he's a really good friend of mine. And the the stories that he has, the, the, the ones that can make, be made for a podcast and the ones that can't be told over the air on a podcast, is just phenomenal. Have you ever met anybody like Jim Holly? No, I never have. And I gave him the nickname Hollywood. It was natural. Oh, yeah, obviously, right? For sure. Yep. Um, yep. Just that, God, the things that he's seen and done. It's amazing. He's a good guy. I mean, yeah. I always like Jim. I'd like to hear from him. I haven't heard from him in years. Yeah. If he, if he hears the thing, have him call me. Yeah, I, I will do that. I'll, I'll pass it on. Um, so I always, you know, obviously I knew you as the voice of Supercross and, and growing up, and, you know, you were the voice of, of everything. So uh, we would have our Winnipeg Arena Cross every year, and you would come up there. You would do Winnipeg, Calgary, Saskatoon, you know, all these things. Yeah, and, yep. And, you know, Ross Peterson is a Canadian hero, and, and Jeff Hicks oh, yeah. and, and Brooks and Holly are coming up from America. And and you used to, like, you were just gold because you would, like, you would make it so, like, the Americans are coming in and invading uh, Canada. And can rollerball stop these guys, right? Can they... Can yep. they do anything, right? And it was like a great theater. Like you and, and Jimmy played it up, right? Holly, sure. I remember Holly came out in the opening ceremonies with like sunglasses on and like yep. he was the guy from California and you were, you know, hey, can can Ross do anything here? And uh and it was just great theater, man. You, you, yeah, I was yeah. You know, interesting, let me just throw something in. Yeah. And I, admittedly you can edit out anything you want on this. But I got hired by a Japanese company to bring over riders for the first Japan Supercross okay. in 1982. Yep. And I, I chose them. Uh, the Suzuki guys didn't want to go, but I had everybody else uh -huh. coming. RJ was 18 at the time. And uh, I, I got Peter, uh, Ross. And, uh, and some people complain that he's, he's, he's not an American. He's not that great. I said, let me, let me tell you, this kid's going to be good. He finished seventh. At the Tokyo Stadium, at yeah. the Orkun Stadium, and surprised a lot of people. And I was so proud of him yeah. for representing Canada and doing so well in front of a sold-out crowd of screaming Japanese. Yeah, yeah, and I can't even, And you know, one time Jim told me, like, one time Jim, I might have been over a few beers, but Jim was like, yeah, me and Ross would basically be like, hey, you win Edmonton, I'll win Calgary, you know, you win, you win Winnipeg, whatever, because... And then other times Jim's like, no, we never, we never had any kind of deal in place. And so I'm really confused even now on what it was. But I will tell the people this, listening to this, and you know, those two had titanic battles. <laughs> they would just oh, yeah. they would just stuff the shit out of each yeah. other in every yeah. turn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. They were great. Yeah. And, the, and the crowd went insane. The crowd went insane. You were whipping them up, uh, you know, the Canada versus USA thing. And, ev and yeah. every year the people are like, I'm going back. I'm going back the next year. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. I remember when there was a promoter named David Horodesky. Do you oh, remember that name? No, I don't. No. Well, he was a concert promoter in, I believe, Calgary. Okay. And I got a call from somebody. They said, this guy wants to talk to you. And I was announcing the Dallas Supercross. And so I said, good, let's have lunch. So I met with him and had lunch with him and, his, and one of his guys. And he says, I'm thinking about putting motorcycle races on in hockey arenas. Okay. What do you think? And I said, well, I think if it's done right, you'll do okay. And he was, the, to my knowledge, the first promoter to ever stage 
an arena cross race, and that wasn't what it was called back then. Yeah. But he hired me, and we went, like you said, those all those cities in Canada. We did it, and yeah. they, it really worked well. We packed the place. Yeah, and and they were great races. And, yeah, uh, Larry Brooks came out in his underwear to do the Radical Jump one time. It's just amazing, amazing time. I forgot that. Yeah. There was, there was a quick uh, Wayne Gretzky story, if you want to hear it. Yeah, please do. We were we were in, I'm, I think, Edmonton, and we were in a bar, and uh, – and somebody said, that's Wayne Gretzky. I said, who the hell is Wayne Gretzky? Before <laughs> I know, right. but I didn't know. Oh, he's, he's the greatest hockey player in Canada. I said, yeah. really? So I went over to him, and I said, Mr. Gretzky, excuse me. He said, yes. I said, I'm Larry Huffman. I'm an announcer from California, and we're having a, an arena cross race across the street at the arena. Mm-hmm. And I understand, sir, you're going to take a couple laps on a bike. Then <laughs> <laughs> he looked at me like I was crazy. He said, I'm not going to get on a motorcycle. Yeah. I said, no problem. <laughs> It was funny. He was very nice. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, the 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 things that you've met. So, um at your peak, how many weekends are you gone a year? Like how many what what are we what are we talking here? How how many stuff are you doing? God, well, I was doing Supercross and I was doing outdoor motocross around that time and I was doing Speedway, which was every Friday night. I I don't know, man. I was I was gone an awful lot. It was it was a tough schedule. Yeah. Um, like what are we talking 40 weekends a year more than that? Or what, what, what do you oh, think? No, 40 at least. At, yeah, least. at least. Yeah. 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 Jeez. Um, and so, uh, back then you're probably making pretty good money, huh, Larry? You're probably crushing oh, yeah. making very good money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it, do you ever lose your voice or anything? Yeah. 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 I, I did a race in Canada and and uh, Demokas, Doug Demokas and I were, yep. were had a motel room together, and I could barely talk. And I, I it was uh, I was supposed to do a race in in Rhode Island, and I I flew there from I think Toronto, and uh, I got there I couldn't talk. I mean I could barely understand, and I I said I can't do this, and I flew home. I one of the few times I bailed out on a on a race, but I just couldn't yeah, talk. Yeah, just couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you, ever, did you ever do anything in Europe? Did you ever go to Australia, Europe, anything? Uh, I did Japan, yeah. uh, Europe. I, I did the movie on any Sunday, too, and we went to Silverstone. I did some announcing there. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, and then I went to uh, Jerez, Spain, a number of times for Suzuki and, and announced um, the GSXR races there. And also uh, I did the series for Suzuki. They hired me to, to film the first GSXR series. I don't know what that. And, I've never even heard of that. I don't know what that is. I'm not a big road race guy, but yeah. Well, GSXR Suzuki brought them out in in seven eighty uh, six. Okay. And they were literally race bikes for the, barely li- licensed for the street. Mm-hmm. And they really pushed them at Suzuki, and they really did very very well. They sold a lot of them, and they hired me to to film a whole series. And uh, I did, and, and I directed it and wrote it and filmed it. And we we were in Atlanta for the finale, and we'd hired a – this is kind of an interesting quick note. We hired an ex-Vietnam uh, chopper pilot to, okay. to film the races on the track from the helicopter. Okay. The first race he came, he landed, he came over to me and said, Mr. Huffman, I, yes, sir, he says, how fast do these bikes go? And I says, about 140 on the straightaway. And he said, "Well, that, excuse, that explains that I my helicopter won't go that fast. We can't we can't get the leader. Yeah, <laughs> true story. Yeah, yeah. He's just like I don't know what to, I don't know what to tell you, Larry. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, oh, that's that's interesting for sure. It's it's uh. So what did you do? 
so as you be, you get blackball from Supercross. Uh, you're not yep. welcome back to do that. Obviously, like I talked to you about, you did those DVD sets and you would do. How do you make a living, Larry? What do you do? I mean, that's a massive bit of income cut from you. Uh, do you do you pick it up somewhere? Do you move into something that like commercials and stuff that I don't that I don't really know or like how do you yeah, make you, that? You mentioned uh, furniture commercial. I did yeah. the halls furniture for a few years. I just did a lot of. I had an agency, an ad agency, okay. and I would get clients, and I would do commercials, and they, generally speaking, they kept using me, so I kept doing the commercials. And and that's and that's profitable, like that you could do enough to 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 make a good oh, yeah. living. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm also I'm also in the Screen Actors Guild, so I get a, a monthly pension from that, which really helps. Yeah, I guess. Like, so are you still pulling in checks from Night Rider then? <laughs> Uh, yeah, but they'll be about uh, yeah. thirty-five cents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet you're like, oh, look, look at Aaron again, right, or whatever. Exactly. Uh, so your voice, of course, is is iconic. Where's the weirdest place you've been recognized with your voice? Oh God, jeez. With my good one at at a porn theater or something. <laughs> Um, <laughs> where, where would like, yeah, like I I gotta think that if you're checking into a hotel or or whatever, they're like, hey, right. Yeah, they recognized my voice. Yeah, they yeah. did a lot. Did that a lot. I don't know. I was I was pretty straight, you know. I yeah. was, you know, at that at that point, you know. Uh, no, I don't even mean that. But just like even have you even ordering a meal or anything? Has people have people said anything to you about your voice? And and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Back then, I was I was pretty well known, and right. they reckon my my voice is very unique, yeah. and uh, and they would recognize it. and They'd say, "You're the guy on the radio, or you're a guy from the supercross." So yeah, you know. Yeah, I. Uh... I forget what where I was. I was doing a doing a podcast, or I don't even know. Maybe I was doing something live, like a like a live hit uh, somewhere. Uh, we do we do some live shows at these theaters before Supercross. So maybe I was at one of those, like a live uh-huh. podcast show. But I I made a mention of you know the ruts are so deep that you can see the top of German sh- soldiers' heads, right? Yeah, and, I used that with mine. Oh yeah, no, I stole it from you, Larry, hundred percent. And 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 uh, uh, they're just like they're like I don't think you can say that anymore. And I'm like, really? Because you know the times that we're in. I'm like, I said, I feel like Larry Huffman would would have been fired within 30 minutes if, if <laughs> in today's age. Like, uh, there was definitely some stuff that you said that was pretty risque. But of course, it's a totally different time, you know? Yeah, it, it was a totally. I was trying to, I tried to be pretty straight. I really did. It really yeah, was. Yeah. Did you did you say anything that got you in trouble over the years that uh, that almost cost you a job or did cost you a job? Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think of what it was, but. Uh... Yeah, I did a I did a, a sold out show at the Orange County Fairgrounds two years ago, and I it's like nine ten thousand people, and I said I came very close to getting fired. I said, "Be sure to register for the drawing. We're giving away a night in a, a weekend at Adventureland, Stormy Daniels' apartment," and that that really pissed off some people. So I had to I got chewed out for that. Yeah, 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 really right. Uh, yeah, there was yeah there was uh. We also there was one um like you you seem to get into like uh a few a few of the ones I heard you you like you're like Wardy Wardy's mom's got a got a Porsche or something <laughs> like random got facts a, about these guys it was great Well one of the, I took a lot of flack on one of them, and I I I I feel bad to this day and I apologize to him but it was Ron Lachine went to Japan yeah. with a bunch of the writers and got busted right. for pot Yeah and I introduced some of PA system. I said, and here's uh, tougher, Ron Lachine, tougher than a Japanese custom inspector. <laughs> and, the, and the crowd went crazy. And then I thought, that's terrible to say. And I went up to him after. And I said, 
I'm, did I screw up? Yeah, that was tough. I'll never do it again. I will never use that line again. But yeah. I, I used it one time. San Diego Supercross. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. So this would have been Ron when he's on Cowie, when he switched to Cowie or whatever, the next exactly. year or something. Right, exactly. right, right. Yeah. Um, oh, he, he's great. I talk to him all the time. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. So, um, yeah, he uh, he's a great guy. He's doing well. Running Maxima, his dad's business, right? So Good, good. Um, Say hello for me. Yeah, I will. Absolutely. <laughs> Tougher than a Japanese customs inspector. Yeah, like yeah, crowd loved it. Yeah, that's ballsy. I really like that, Larry. Um, Also, too, like you, you would. uh, It was great. Like when myself and my my buddy, we laugh at this, and we don't laugh at it and take it the right way. You were like Johnson. He's a surfer. He's tall. He's lean. Warty, short, stocky, real tough. Like, like you would, you would build up the two, the, yeah. and, and it had two different body types, or, and they were different personalities and everything else. And we were like, Larry was just trying to get everybody to know like how different Warty and RJ were. It's great. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I mentioned, and I'd forgotten this, but somebody pointed this out to me that I, I think Ward could bench five hundred pounds. Yeah, I'm some, not sure if that's true. And I said that. Yeah, yeah. Squat. I think you should squat it. You, you were talking about yeah, Ward squatting, I'm right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which I mean, you had all these obscure facts because you hung out with these guys, right? I mean, exactly. you knew them. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, do you have a favorite location to call a race at? Is there is there one that comes to mind? I mean, God, the call seemed like you said with all those people, maybe maybe one of them. But uh, was there a favorite location I think, for you? I think probably Anaheim because it's my home track. Track I lived in. I lived in Orange County, and yep. it was always sold out. Except for you know, Mickey Thompson did one race after he got this whole thing back from Goodwin, uh-huh. and then he was murdered after that. And I went up to Mickey the night of the race, uh-huh. and I and he wasn't sold out. It was almost, and I said, "Good race, Rick, uh, Mickey. Good luck. Uh, congratulations. It's not good enough, man. We didn't sell out, and Goodwin sold out." Oh geez, yeah, yeah, <laughs> sixty-five thousand. Right, yeah, and you're just like that's what these guys are living for, right? That's what they're that's what they're that's working exactly at. Exactly right. Yeah, um, man, do you ever just sit back and think, Larry, about how how fortunate you've been to the places you've traveled, the people you've met? Oh. You know, it's been an incredible yeah, life. I had, I had an incredible life. I mean, I you know, I, I I I loved it. It was fun. It was great. I I don't think I screwed anybody. Everybody keep kept hiring me and bringing me back so yeah it was a wonderful time a wonderful time in my life yeah absolutely it's uh it's it's great to for in a sense too like your 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 kids your your grandkids your friends your family like you know you live on in the sense of like i was just watching some old races the other day and there you are on youtube right and and you're on this five dvd set and it's like your voice is iconic and it'll carry on, you know, in all these old highlights. And you're the voice of this sport in, in, in many, many ways for these great riders. And I just, I don't know. I mean, not that you can take that to the bank and make money on that, but it's kind of cool to, to, to have that. Yeah, I was announcing Tom Shields' uh, race uh, three year, two, two and a half years ago at Paula Raceway. Yeah. It's an international race. And these people, his family came up to me and they said, would you sign an autograph? I said, yeah. I said, where are you guys from? They said, Australia. I said, how the hell do you know about me in Australia? Yeah. Yeah. And they said, we, we watch the old videos and we'd, we'd be honored to get your signature. Oh, Christ. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You can. <laughs> You're like, all right, sure. Yeah, let's do it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Fly Racing Racer X Podcast presented by the folks at Renthal and Maxis and Cobalinks and Motorsport.com. Uh, Larry Huffman, uh, thanks for your time, Larry. I really appreciate it. Did I miss anything? Anything else? Did I, any other yeah, stories? You got, you got some good questions, Steve. Believe me, they were great. I appreciate your calling me and reminding people who I was. Yeah, I know. I appreciate the time. Like I said, this, we did one 12 years ago, so I felt like it was time to update. Uh, 
And my voicemail uh, is still on there, still strong. So uh, thank you for doing that years ago for me, too. Uh, and, and good luck with everything, Larry. Uh, thanks for your time, and, uh, and I appreciate it, man. Good interview, Steve. Thank you, buddy. Bye-bye.